Logical Progression, Year 4, Chapter 13, Lesson 7. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa al-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen. Wa la'ajba'ma illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa salwatullahi wa salamuhu ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen Sayyidina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla. Wa anta tajubil hizna idha shi'ah sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika. Wa hizna ibadatik ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yeah, it's good to see everyone. I know some people thought that I wouldn't make this lesson today. But Alhamdulillah, I'm here alive, survived. The recovery was amazing. We prepared my house after my wife was away for way too long. And um, we had a debate today about when that should happen again. So I might have a vote tomorrow, whether it should be another 10 years or another 15 years. Because we can't have this, uh, we can't have this uh, you know, situation happening where yeah, and my girl gets, yeah, and goes missing for four or five weeks or whatever, how long it's been, three weeks, whatever, I don't know, it's too long. But I wanted to say Jazakumullah for everyone who supported uh, the AE household, Shazad especially, sending food off regularly, Yanni, because he knows that. Once. Uh, once, yeah, <coughs> even once is enough because there was a huge amount, mashallah, lasted like five days. Just make sure Dr. Shazad. Dr. Yeah. Shazad, yeah, Dr. Shazad, because the other Shazad did absolute <laughs> sweet jack squat, yeah? Okay? No, no, actually, no, it was Saturday. Yeah, not bad. Saturday he did some yani, Kansas, Kansas, yani, for yani. Um, so I want to thank those folks. No thanks whatsoever to useless sisters, yani. What's the bloody point of sisters, yani, if they can't cook any food for you to teach you, yani? What's, what's the point, yani? <laughs> Unbelievable. So complete fail on their side. But that's okay. We don't expect anything more than that. As we, as we said before, the men, they're always the best when they put their mind to it. Anything, even cooking, subhanAllah. Amazing. Anyway, today's an interesting lesson. You know, it made me laugh today, I think. It made me laugh when I, when I went back and I looked at... I think we're on the still same paragraph, right? And I think about four weeks ago, I said, right, we're going to knock this paragraph out in the next half hour. And four lessons later, we're still on that same paragraph, yeah? And I thought to myself, right, today... Today we'll uh, knock it out in 10 minutes and then we'll go to the next session. Then I looked at it and I looked into it in between the lines and I said, you know what? This is going to be another lesson as well. Because there's some issues in here that are going to get people like, you know, yeah, I need to know about that. I need to understand that. So there's an important, one or two important big issues in this lesson. So that's okay. That's okay. As again, again, I said, you know, um, if there's anyone who gets kind of stressed out at the pace that we're going at, it is myself. I'm thinking, you know, we need to do more, we need to do more. And then when I look back and I see the people's questions and I look at the feedback afterwards, I realize that it's a good decision to go through the information properly and in detail. I mean, that's what we committed to. That's what the understanding was for this class. So we should stick to it. And it's not like we're going to talk about, you know, useless things like Gary Neville, you know, taking up the Valencia position, which I'm very upset at, to be honest, because... I paid a whole year sub Sky subscription and I'm not stuck with that idiot. Jamie, Jamie Carragher is probably going to get double duties. It's already torture enough, Yanni, hearing him Yanni, once a week, hearing him two and three times a week. I might just, Yanni, you know, I don't know. Unbelievable to listen to his voice. But I've got to say that he was very funny when his response today to the news that Jamie Carragher, that to, that to the news that uh, Gary Neville had left Sky Sports. Then if you saw what he said, he goes, I'm gutted. 
This is like when they name some player that no one's ever heard of left Liverpool to go to Coventry. It's a nuanced joke that, okay? Only a few people got that, but you know, it was very good. Anyway, um, so today the text, the Arabic text, is um, the Arabic text that we're going to be covering, inshallah, is. فَإِنْ بَلَغَ فِي أَثْنَائِهَا أَوْ بَعْدَهَا فِي وَقْتِهَا أَعَادٍ وَيَحْرُمُ تَأْخِيرُهَا عَنْ وَقْتِهَا إِلَّا لِنَاوِ الْجَمْعِ وَلِمُشْتَغْلٍ بِشَرْطِهَا الَّذِي يُحَصِّلُهُ قَرِيبًا This is what we're going to inshallah cover today. And that's translated as um, if the child, so last week we covered the ch- children in detail, okay? And we went into psychology and, and social ideas and whatever, and so that was good, that was useful. But now it's the legal aspect now for the Hanbalis. If the child was to reach adolescence during the actual prayer or after it, while still within its legal time, it is to be repeated. Then the next section, it is not permissible to delay the prayer beyond its time unless, unless intending to join prayers or being involved in fulfilling one of the conditions for prayer, a condition which is close to completion. Alright, so let's kick straight off with the first one. So if um, the child reaches adolescence, goes through puberty during the actual prayer. Now that sounds so crazy that, you know, you know what it is? The mas'ala is as crazy as it reads. I mean, that's about as random as it gets. You know, my man literally and he's going through puberty in a prayer. Yeah? It's just like mental. But the reality is that it happens. It happens. In fact, Sheikh Uthameen, he made a point in his refutation of this point. I just cut straight to the point. He goes, he rejects it straight outright. Okay? But I mean, just to get to the end of the issue, Sheikh Uthameen, he actually says that one of the reasons why we reject this is because this actually happened a number of times without doubt. And we do not have a single narration from the companions that they repeated the prayer. Does that make sense? Okay. So let me just explain what's happening here. We have an 11, 12-year-old boy or girl, okay, and they're praying. And for the girl, it's obvious she might go through her menses, so that's obviously easier. But for the boy, they're not. It's not like suddenly he starts growing, yani, you know, underarm here in the in the actual prayer, okay. But it's more more likely that he has a, a emission wet dream, quote-unquote, okay, an emission. That might happen in the prayer, or more easy to understand is that it happens in the prayer time after the prayer, okay? Now, minus the craziness of what it sounded like, you know, in the middle of the prayer and whatever, it's actually quite possible. So if you think of a long summer's day, where we are having dhuhr time for, what, five hours? Yeah? Five hours is a long period of time, yeah? Um, and you could even make it even more imaginative. It could be during the winter. Now, during Isha time. Yeah? So Isha kicks in what? Six o'clock? Yeah? Half five? Right? So there's a clean six hours that you have to pray Isha. According to the safest position. According to the risky position, and my own personal position, you have 12 hours for you, or yeah, 12 hours for you to pray Isha, because the end of Isha technically is the beginning of Fajr. But Sheikh Uthameen's position, which will come later, or one of his narrations from him, is that Isha is only ila muntasaf al-layl, which is midnight. And midnight, of course, 
as I have told you before, and I will tell you again, is not 12 o'clock, okay? Midnight is not what the English or the West or the non-Muslims or the Romans or the Georgian system, uh, I said that again, didn't I? Gregorian, Gregorian system, yani, understands, okay? Uh, midnight is a time called 12 o'clock, whereas in the Semitic kind of cultures, the, uh, the people of religion, the early Christians, certainly the Jews, certainly the Muslims, uh, we understand time relative to sunrise and sunset. And so midnight is the middle of the night. The mm-hmm. night starting at Maghrib and finishing at Fajr. And so you count the hours and you divide it. And it's often around 11.30, 11.15, 11.45, even some points might go past 12, but rarely. Okay, And that, that, fig- that obviously fluctuates throughout the year. So according to a number of scholars, Isha ends at, mi- uh, at midnight. However, um, I would say that the majority would probably say that Isha goes until Fajr. This is, of course, a massive section. We're not covering that now. It's called Muatit, Yani, the times of the prayer. Now, if we were to take that opinion that it goes to Fajr, that's 12 hours. So it's very believable that a person, for example, a boy, he might come home, uh, uh, you know, from out, and he's, you know, it's Isha time, Isha time has started. Isha time has started. And you know, he uh, prays the Isha at 6 o'clock and then he goes to sleep, yeah? And then he has a wet dream and he wakes up at 3 o'clock. Another three hours left till Fajr. Technically still in Isha time. So now the question is a good one. When he has gone through that wet dream, when he has now gone through puberty, he is now what? What do we call him in Arabic? After what we discussed in our first few lessons? He is Balagh, but what is he technically as a Mukallaf? Okay, very good. He is Mukallaf with Fatha. Yeah? Important to make that Fatha at the end. It changes the meaning. He is Mukallaf. He is someone of Taklif. He is now legally responsible. She is now legally responsible. Whoever goes to puberty. And that means that now the prayer has become obligatory. Before that moment, the prayer was recommended. Okay, not a sunnah. Okay, it was recommended. Yes, if you remember back in early lessons, year one, two, three, we discussed the difference between something which is sunnah, which is mustahab, and so on and so forth. When you say something is sunnah, you, you require an evidence, okay? And there's no evidence from the Prophet ﷺ directly to say that the person should pray or must be praying yani, individually these prayers, but it is from his general advice to uh, encourage the children to be praying. And, and so it could actually be argued that it's sunnah, but I'm saying that this is an argument which is, which is semantical more than actual legal. The point is it's not obligatory. And if anything, it is either just recommended, something which is good, mandub, mustahab, sunnah, mu'akkad, Yani, these are phrases which are go back to uh, minute legal differences. But in principle, it is not obligatory. So now the question remains, if the time is there, should this person make the obligatory prayer? What do you think, just from your own thinking? What did the Hanbalis say? You have to. Okay, That's the point the Hanbalis are making. The Hanbalis, a number of scholars actually, and Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shanqiti as well, even from the contemporary scholars, there are a number that agree with this, and they say, yes, you have to do that, okay? Um, and 
there, there are a few arguments that he says, some interesting uh, arguments. The first, of, the first of them is that um, he says that um, if you think of the example of a woman who is menstruating, so if a woman is menstruating and she stops menstruating half an hour before Maghrib finishes, what does she have to do? She has to pray. Yeah, Maghrib, she has to pray. So they said, likewise, this person, he didn't have to pray until like half an hour before. And then suddenly he now has to pray just like she now has to pray. So qiyas upon her. That's the first argument he said. The second one is of this hadith that Prophet ﷺ said, من أدرك الركعة قبل أن تطلع الشمس فقد أدرك الفجر ومن أدرك الركعة قبل أن تغرب الشمس فقد أدرك العصر. Whoever catches a unit of prayer before the uh, rising of the sun, then he has caught fajr. And whoever catches a unit of the prayer before the sun sets, then he has caught asr. Okay? This is a hadith which we will cover in detail in its right time. It is an authentic hadith. And there's a lot of, a lot of benefit in this hadith as well. It shows that even in the last dying seconds, you go for the prayer. And you've got to try and get a raka'ah in. And there's a difference amongst the scholars what a raka'ah is. Some said it is just takbiratul ihram. Okay? Just to say Allahu Akbar. I follow the opinion that it is a complete raka'ah. Okay? And a complete raka'ah means the two sujood and standing back up again. And that's what the aim should be. Now, this hadith, as Sheikh Muhammad Bukhtar Shantiti said, indicates that a person, even if he has like literally two minutes, they have to make an attempt at the prayer. Otherwise, the Prophet would not have made the point. We're going to come to that um, uh, in maybe, say, half an hour after we cover a few points. Okay? So, is that, is that clear, everybody? Yeah? Um, and Sheikh Uthameen also says that one of the other reasons why they, the, the other side, they said that one has to do it, is the, um, because the, the prayer... It is, he is definitely from Ahlul Wujub, meaning that if a person person is from the people who something is obligatory upon, there can be no excuses. Okay? What Sheikh Uthameen responds to this, and I have to say that this is a position that I hold and a number of my teachers hold, is that, um, actually, anyone want to wanna argue for or against before I tell you what Sheikh Uthameen says? Yes. He's already prayed Isha. What do you think of what do you think of the the analogy of the uh, menstruating woman? She was mukallaf before. You mean when she was praying? Yeah. And when she wasn't praying? Then she still is. But then it's like a separate thing. I think it's a completely different case. What you want to say is that it is qiyasu ma al farq. What they say in usul, it is an analogy with a um, a. Uh, uh, it is a deficient analogy. They are two separate kind of things. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. Yep. And once you've done a prayer, it's a written down thing and you've already done it and completed it. Now, this point here that once the prayer has been done, it is done, okay? Although that's an obvious point, it's actually a legal fact and it is the key difference between uh, this and the other scenarios because the difference between the menstruating woman is that she didn't do the prayer and it's her first time to pray. To compare her to a chap who's already actually offered the prayer as he was obligated to do as a human being at that time and moment means that the job is done. 
It's similar, not exactly, but just to help clarify the situation, very common question that people ask is that if a person was, um, let's say that he is a musafir, he travels, and he goes to work and he travels is 100 miles and he ends up at his work where he's contracting or he's consulting that day or whatever, and he's a traveler. So dhuhr for him is how many? Two raka'ah. And it is permissible for him if he finds some difficulty because he's going to be driving back home, it's going to be rush hour, etc., etc., that he will pray asr as well. It's permissible for him to combine. So he decides, I'm going to combine dhuhr and asr here. So he will pray two and two. Yeah? And now he, he's, he, that, that's what his intention uh, is. Then what happens is that actually he, once he's prayed at one o'clock, his dhuhr and his asr, Okay, suddenly uh, uh, the, the managing guy, you know, your employer, he turns around and he goes, you know what, you did an awesome job this morning, uh, you have the afternoon off. So he's now on his way home. Okay, and he's now on his way home and he gets home still in Dhuhr time. In fact, he's got home before Asr, before Asr has even started. You understand the, 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 the scenario now? Yeah. So the question is, he's at home, all chilled, lovely, you know, everything's all sorted. How many rakah of asr does he need to pray when asr starts? When asr time enters, how many units? Two or four? <laughs> so, two, put your hands up. <laughs> well, Unless you want to be argumentative and say, what well, is another option? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so two or four? What do you reckon? Two. Okay, two. Because? He's two. So we're making prayer another two. <laughs> okay. Two plus two is four. That's what's okay. It's <laughs> fair enough, yeah. He already prayed. It wasn't expected. It was unexpected. What happened afterwards? No, it wasn't expected for his boss to then Yeah, yeah. So therefore he already prayed anyway. So, so he already prayed anyway. Yeah, so he shouldn't. You're valid, you're saying. He shouldn't pray again. He shouldn't pray again. Yeah, because he already prayed. Right. But the... What was the reason that he prayed the two of Asr as two and in Dhuhr time? Because he wasn't expected to leave that. No, no, no. Well, my question... What was the reason that allowed him to do that? Because he was a traveler. So that question is now, now that the Asr time has entered, does he have the same legal status of being a traveler? So for the whole Asr time, do you agree that when he's at home, he is now Muqim, a resident. He doesn't have the, the status of traveler, correct? So the question is now, if he doesn't have the legal status of traveler during the full prayer time as it now applies to him, can he ignore the obligation of Asr? Yes. No. You said yes. No. Okay. He was a traveler at the time. Yep. When he combined his prayers. Yep. Traveling, so it's fine for him to do that. Put it in a more legal term, Yani. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he correctly followed the rule. It's for it's for right. So he's done it. Good. That's better. I mean, you know, same, but better. <laughs> He correctly fulfilled the conditions of Asr at the time. He performed a legal Asr prayer. Okay? 
in actual fact, it would be bid'ah for him to repeat this prayer. It would be, in principle, not permissible. In principle. I say in principle because normally a bid'ah is haram. Alright? So therefore, that's why I call it, yani, in uh, that's why it's, I call it bid'ah. However, we would not say that to a person who prayed again, that you've just done haram, if the person prayed again following an ishtihad or a scholarly opinion, which is something very different. Yeah? But if a person said to himself, well, you know what, I'm at home now and I should pray this prayer properly, right? and he makes this kind of ta'leel himself, his own reasoning, this will be bid'ah, it would be an innovation because he's not followed the, the, the sunnah. There's no system. So the reason I gave that analogy is to show to you that once you've done a prayer as per its conditions and as per you've been requested on its time, then there is no space in Sharia to make you do it again because circumstances change. <clears throat> the next prayer for this kid is going to be obligatory. All right? No doubt about that. But this prayer, no. And that's why we will differ with the humbly position. And as I said, Sheikh Uthameen also says there at the end, he goes that, and what also strengthens this position that we're saying, that this actually happens quite a lot. And it happened at the time of the companions, and it has not been preserved from even one of them, that they repeated the prayer due to adolescence occurring during or within a prayer time. Okay? So an interesting point. Yes, let's take a few questions. So just a point on that. So, an argument again. So... When he's a child, he prays Isha. Yeah. It's a non-obligated prayer. It's a recommended prayer. So by definition, surely, then he's not punished if he doesn't do it. Yes. Yeah, so it's a different status. Once he becomes, uh, into puberty, he becomes Mukhalaf. Yes. It's now an obligated prayer, and he's punished if he doesn't do it. So does that not make a difference, that argument? Right. So what Shazad's asking is that once he becomes a Mukhalaf, okay, he now is legally accountable for that prayer. If he doesn't pray, then he's in trouble. Whereas in the previous one, he's not in trouble because it wasn't of a, uh, a obligatory nature. So what you're trying to say is that basically the actual two things being compared are not equal. It's like comparing apples and pears. Yeah, and that's of course what we. That's why I said to Musab as well. This is what we call qiyas wa al farak when you can't compare two which are the same. However, that's why we do not build our argument based upon qiyas. That's why I said. I'll give you an example to illustrate the point. What is the reason that we don't do it? The reason that we don't do it is because he offered the prayer as he was required to in that time. That's the reason. Not the issue of the differing legal statuses. Okay? If you, if you, if you, if you think about it, the repetition of an act of ibadah could happen for a number of reasons. Yet we don't see it from the Prophet ﷺ. Now, whatever the reason is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't require an act twice unless a person makes a mistake in it. But now here, he didn't make a mistake, intentionally or unintentionally. But your masafir was obligated to pray the prayer. The child isn't. Yep. Meaning the example of the two rakah and the four, which is why I said to you, this is a only an illustration to show how something can be done earlier and then within its right time doesn't have to be repeated. Just to give an example of the fact that the prayer at the Musafir time is obviously they're different because as you said it's obligatory, it's Musafir, whatever. I was illustrating how when a person prays to Raka'ah for a legal reason and that legal reason is valid, then it doesn't matter if the legal circumstances are different later because he did what was upon him, then the job is done. But I'm arguing the opposite. So I'm saying the child isn't obligated, like the Musafir is obligated still to pray. 
the child isn't obligated, therefore that, that argument does not apply. I see what your point is. Your, your point is that because he wasn't obligated at all to make that first prayer, it can't be used as a counterbalance to the obligatory prayer. Um, He's making like Hajj. Hajj, for example. You mean for the child and then later yeah, doing it uh, afterwards? If he's 11 years old and he's not really muqallad, he does Hajj. And then, you know, at the end of the Hajj, of, after Tawafi Wada, he becomes muqallad. He's still got to do the Hajj again. So what Shazad is saying, okay, is that the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ when it comes to the Hajj, we have the child, the Prophet ﷺ said that the child that does Hajj would get the reward, okay? But that reward... Especially, you know, if the child is a big child, meaning they understand what's going on and close to puberty, whatever, um, they, you know, they'll, they'll feel it, understand it, and so on, and maybe even, you know, benefit from it. And that could be at 10 years old. But later on, they still have to do the obligatory one. Okay? Now, um, the response to that is that this is not about, and I think this will become clearer in the next section, okay? This is not about the obligation, this is about the time. This, this discussion here is about time, not about the obligation. Now you might think, what's the difference? What's the, what's the point? Uh, I'm going to share a few points with you that you will realize just how the scholars differed when it comes to the conditions of an act of worship, what takes priority in trying to understand its principles. Is it, for example, the details of the act of worship that come first? Or is it, for example, the time which comes first? So let me, let me uh, go through that. And if we still have a question on this, then we'll come back to it. Okay, so let's, let, let's try that. So then the Sheikh then says, or the author then says, and it is uh, impermissible. It is, okay, um, it is not permissible to delay the prayer beyond its time unless intending to join prayers. And that's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of 21, page 21, he said, That indeed the prayer has been written upon the believers at set times. That's verse 103, Surah Nisa. And so, therefore, if the prayer times have been set, it is not permissible to delay it from those times. Now, obviously, a lot of people might think that delay the prayer means that the whole prayer um, uh, uh, can't be delayed. But maybe because of the hadith that I mentioned, you know, whoever catches the one unit of prayer uh, uh, before the, the sun uh, rises, then you can pray the rest afterwards, yeah, it's essentially. So you might understand from this statement that a person could delay part of the prayer. Does that make sense? Okay. But that's also impermissible. It is completely haram to delay any part of the prayer. Part, portion, one raka'ah, one second of it. Intentionally, it's haram. Intentionally, it is haram. So I want you to understand that. That's the first sub-point. If something happens where you have been delayed, it was out of your control, etc., etc., that's something else. Then we move into emergency mode, and then we just pray whatever we can. But we're talking about a person intentionally making a decision. I'm not going to pray. I'm, I'm, I'm watching this game. I'm doing my cooking. I need to finish this piece of work. I'm going to get a few more sleep. I'm going to snooze the alarm. Whatever. This is intentional saying I'm going to delay the prayer. It's not allowed to delay the full prayer or even part of the prayer. That's the first caveat. The second caveat is to also understand that what he said. He said, It is not permissible to delay it from its time. And time, waqt, 
The word what, by the way, means an indication that something has happened or exists. And we call it time because that's the closest kind of English phrase to use. Almost marker post, marker point, start point is like a more linguistic translation. So um, when this uh, uh, legal time has now started, um, we understand this is what a prayer time is. And as I said, prayer time is a huge chapter and we'll cover that in detail. But I need to just quickly give one example of something. Uh, according to the majority of scholars, but not the Hanafi school, okay, there is a, um, a, there's a two-tier time for Salat al-Asr, okay? So Salat al-Asr, um, let's use today's example of today. In Manchester, in Manchester today, uh, what's the date today? 2nd December? Yeah, 2nd December. Uh, Asr started at about 1.35-odd, Okay? Uh, according to the Shafi'i position and the Hanbali position and the Malikis, okay? Not to, according to the Hanafi school. So, according to the majority of scholars, um, the Asr started at about 1.35 p.m. And Maghrib started around 3... What was it say? 3.56? Things earlier than that. 3.52 or something like this. Oh, yeah? Anyway, so let's say 3.55, whatever, it doesn't matter. 3.55. So that's a total time for Asr, according to the majority of scholars, of two hours and, say, 20 minutes? Yeah, say two hours and 20 minutes odd. Right. So, two hours, 15, whatever. So, now, this is the Asr time. However, as I said, according to the majority, there's a two-tier timing system. Something which is very difficult to appreciate in this country, very easy to appreciate in any kind of equatorial country where it's sunny and clear and so on and so forth. So the time corresponds to the yellowness of the sky and the sun, all right? And basically you will see, obviously, that at Zuhr time, the sun is at its very highest and it's very white and it's very hot. And then it starts to set, it starts to come down. And it takes six, seven hours, five hours to set, okay? As it makes its way down, down to the west, very, very slowly, okay? Now, as it's going down, the sun starts to take color. If you, absor if you observe this, you'll see that when it's at its very highest and it's very uh, hottest, it's white, okay? And then when it starts to go down and go down, then what we have is that a decrease in what we call the solar elevation angle. If we imagine this is the horizon, okay, then the, and the sun starts in, obviously, just to use my hand as an example, if this is the east and this is the west, and the sun rises, and it rises, 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 and it gets to its highest point, and then it sets in the west, okay, and this is the horizon, then when it's here, then this is the solar elevation angle. This is the angle, yeah? And that's the angle when it's there. And that's the angle. It's at, it's at 90 degrees. Well, it's not 90 degrees because the Earth is on a tilt. But it's almost straight up when it's there. Then it starts to go down. Then we can start taking another solar elevation angle. Makes sense, yes? And when you're observing from here the sun at its different parts, okay? Then depending upon... Because the angle changes... At the angle of the earth to the sun, the light refracts at a different angle and the dust that you see in the atmospheric dust that you see in the sky, because that it's, get, it's always there, but the sun is striking at a different angle. I'm sure you did it in GCSE science. You know when you've got a prism and you shine light through it and if you look at it from one angle then you can't see anything. You look at it from a different angle, you can mm -hmm. see the light, yes? So that's exactly what's happening. When you see the sun getting lower and lower, 
it hits the dust at a much more acute angle and that creates a, a very yellow orange hue to the sky and to the sun so that's how you understand the different colors of the sun and the sky okay now when that comes so low and you start to see all that kind of dark kind of orange and that redness and so on and so forth everyone knows it's about to be sunset time and then it then sets and it's very dark red then the redness will disappear then the blackness will then the the, the whiteness will disappear and disappear and then pure black comes in and we know that's isha now let's re reverse it a bit once the asr starts to kick in we know the sun starts to cool down and it takes a yellowy kind of shade however that yellow is very weak at the beginning of asr however after an hour after an hour and when it's roughly about an hour from setting it takes on a very very distinct bright yellow color so distinct that you can look at it straight and it doesn't hurt your eyes yep so you can look at the sun and it's a very clear yellow circle and you can watch it for the next hour something you couldn't possibly do two hours before too bright okay this is far it's called all right this this yellowing right is a time where the prayer is makruh it is a disliked hated prayer in actual fact as the majority of the scholars will say it is not permissible to delay the asr prayer to this period of time unless you have a reason unless you have a reason it is still a valid prayer so let's say someone for example is at school right or at work that's a valid reason they can't get out but they have to then pray as soon as they come out so school for example they come out at three o'clock they get home quarter past three they've got how long left 40 minutes yes they've got 40 minutes left to pray maghrib uh, uh, until maghrib and so that's a legal reason then they pray their asr prayer straight away it is a makru time in principle but it's not makru for that person however if there's a person at home and he's chilling all right and he's prayed his dhuhr uh, and whatever asr starts at 135 140 and he's now just sitting there doing whatever he's doing just chilling and he lets it go to two o'clock and then 250 he's got to pray he's got to pray at 215 he's got to pray by 230 if he now gets to 255 for example and he had no reason the scholars say this is impermissible do you understand what i'm trying to say intentionally and this as i said it's not a consensus this is those scholars that believe and the evidences will come to you in this right time so i do want you to understand that time here is 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 heavily conditioned with meaning so time here does mean we're talking about um uh, a relative according to the prayer time so uh, everyone understand that yes because i am kind of summarizing a big issue because when it comes to prayer times we'll talk about this a lot as those who took fiqh salah with me uh, you know that we do a lot of diagrams and all that kind of stuff. So that's the first thing I will say. Um, so there are two conditions, uh, sorry, two exceptions, beg your pardon, to the person who uh, delays the prayer from its time. So it's not permissible except for two people. The first of them is the one who intends to combine the prayer. And now, yes, what's the text say? Uh, unless intending to join prayers. So this is interesting. All right, let's talk about this. First of all, that we've what, what we've established is that the Hanbalis they accept the joining of prayers and uh, this is not something which there's a consensus upon and in fact there's a lot of confusion on the combining of prayers I teach the fiqh of salah a lot and I would say this is probably one of the key one of the most popular areas where people do not Muslims do not understand the rules okay so I want to say that the the mass majority of scholars they accept the combining of prayers 
and it is something which is very well established from the Prophet and the companions. And it's only the Hanafi school that does, that does not accept combining of the prayers in the way that we understand it. Okay, they only allow it on the day of Hajj, um, on the day of Arafah. Uh, other than that, they do not allow a, a combining of prayer. Now, you are going to be wanting a lot of information now about combining the prayer, but it's again a massive section with its own conditions and details that will have to be covered in its right time. So we can't jump that gun. We will only cover what we need to cover to understand this point. Is that clear, everybody? Just so that everyone understands, though, when we say combining the prayers, what we mean by that is the combining of Asr and Dhuhr at either A, in the Dhuhr time, any time during Dhuhr, or B, in the Asr time, any time in the Asr. Okay, that's what it means to combine the prayer. Or it means to combine Maghrib and Isha and Witr as well if you want to. That would be either A, Maghrib, Isha and Witr during the Maghrib time, anytime, or B, Maghrib, Isha and Witr during the Isha time, late night time. That's the only possibilities of combining. There's no combining of Fajr of anything and there is no combining of the Dhuhr and Asr with the Maghrib. So there's only two categories. It's Dhuhr and Asr at its two times and Maghrib and Isha at its two times. That's what combining the prayer means. Is that clear? Combining the prayer does not mean that you shorten the prayer. Okay? It does not mean you shorten the prayer. It does not mean anything else. It just means that the two prayers are prayed together. It is possible in some scenarios to combine the prayers whilst you pray them full. Four raka'ah, four raka'ah. And the most common scenario though is that you'll be combining the prayers because you are a musafir on the road somewhere and then you'll be combining twos and twos. We will cover all of this in a lot of detail. Now, Sheikh Uthameen makes a point and I need to introduce you to something which is kind of unique to the Hanafi school but actually all of the schools recognize this. What I've spoken about is a real combining, a real physical combining, meaning that I am working at 1 o'clock and I decide to pray Dhuhr and Asr at 1 o'clock. So I've now taken Asr and I've really brought it forward early. Would you agree? Way out of its time. It's not starting for another you know, 40 minutes or whatever. So that's a proper combining. There is actually something called pseudo-combining. Al-Jamr al-Suwari. I, I, I translate it as pseudo-combining. Okay? Al-Jamr al-Suwari versus Al-Jamr al-Haqiqi Real combining is what I've told you, but al al-suri, which is pseudo-combining, is when you pray the prayers and it looks like you're combining, but you're not actually combining. How is this done? It's done by praying Dhuhr at 1.31 p.m. and it's done by praying Asr at 1.36 p.m. Does that make sense? So Dhuhr right at the end of its time, and Asr right at the beginning of its time. As you can imagine, something very difficult, something very, you know, I don't know how anyone does that. I don't know if they're watching themselves, the clocks or something. I don't know. They must practice or something. I don't know how it's done, but it is a, uh, a possibility. Um, the Hanafis, they say, this is our combining. We allow this combining, okay? This is, this is fine. And that's good, to be honest, because I'm not a fan of combining. We shouldn't be fans of combining. It is an abuse concession. People don't understand it, and they use and abuse it in a way which is not acceptable. And that's why we need to study it. And the Hanafi one, at least, yani, their combining is at least still a technical prayer, isn't it? It's still a technical, correct prayer. But it is, as obviously, it is a bit, yani, 
it is a bit on the edge. But I want only to understand that if um, a person does that, it would not be considered technical combining. Does that make sense? Yes? All right. Also, Sheikh Uthameen makes a random point, and I'll just throw it in there. He says, also, to be honest, I don't really agree with the author and his language and what he said that the exception of the delaying of the prayer is for the one who delays the prayer from its time. Why do you think he doesn't agree with that? Why do you think Sheikh Uthameen doesn't agree with that? Uh, they are doing it intentionally, but why does he not like the wording of the author who said that it is not permissible to delay a prayer from its time except for the one who combines the prayers? And he doesn't think that that is a sufficient phrase. Is it because you're, not, you're praying in this time? Excellent. Well done. Well done. Because actually you're not delaying it from its time. When you combine prayers... And you pray the Asr time and the Zuhr time, that is its actual time. Because it's legally valid. Does that make sense? It's not an invalid prayer. Otherwise it wouldn't be allowed to be prayed. And that's why Sheikh Uthameen says it would be nice if he added a, a kind of a few clarificatory words to make it clear. Whatever. It's a semantic point. The point is that you understand. So is that clear everybody? Yes? That that's the only person who can delay the prayer from his time. And it has to be intentional. Now we, okay? Now we'll make a point here. It is not permissible, as you remember Sheikh Walid talking about this a couple of weeks back, okay, for a person to suddenly just miss the prayer and then Asr prayer enters and he says, right, I'm combining the prayer. Like Dhuhr. So he doesn't pray Dhuhr in Dhuhr time. Dhuhr time goes, 2 o'clock comes, he goes, right, I'll combine Dhuhr and Asr. That's not permissible. In fact, not only is it not permissible, it's a major haram and it could be the first step to an act of kufr as well. Because he intentionally delayed a prayer which is obligatory for him to pray in its time. And you saw all the evidences for the one who does not do that and so on and so forth. So it's a very serious matter. So it needs to be considered. Now, in, 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 um, what I mean is that it needs to be uh, uh, well-intentioned beforehand. It doesn't matter whether you do it five minutes before the time ends or even five hours before the time starts. As long as you intend that this is what I'm going to do with my Dhuhr prayer and the next prayer, I'm going to pray in the other time, whatever, then it's fine. But what you can't do is to let the time run out and then suddenly say, I delayed the prayer because I'm combining. No, as the author said, the exception is only for the one who intends to combine. Is that clear, everybody? That's a very important legal uh, distinction that needs to be made. The next one is very interesting and it's where some of the questions will come out. The... Uh, um, Mushtaghlin, yani the person who is busy uh, or he's occupied or involved in fulfilling one of the conditions for prayer. A condition which is close to, to, close to completion. So for example, Sheikh Uthameen says, um, what about a person who, um, uh, for example, a person who has only one thobe, again, you've got to bring yourself back to the context of that time, you know, no taps, no plumbing, no uh, racks of clothes. Your, your, your thobe is the one you wear every single day for day and night and whatever. And you've only got maybe one Jumu'ah thobe, maybe, maybe not. Okay, People are wearing only one thing. So put yourself into that context. So we have a chap and his thobe is torn completely. Completely so much so that if he doesn't sew it, he can't wear it. Okay, And the time for dhuhr is running out. Now what he knows is that he starts to sew. He starts to sew and he realizes he's got five minutes left and if he 
Um, and basically, he's not going to make it. It's going to require another 15 minutes to be good enough to actually cover his nakedness. Okay? His nakedness. And so what the Hanbalis are saying, what are they saying? You tell me what they're saying. Like, salah will still be valid because he's... So, so his Salah will be still valid how and when? When he prays it because he's in the... What is the condition of the prayer that he is currently involved in? Covering the awrah. So we know that, we'll cover this, one of the conditions for prayer is that your awrah must be covered. So he is busy trying to fulfill condition one, which is to cover his awrah. Now, what are the Hanbalis saying whilst he's busy fulfilling this condition? What are they saying? That the time stops, put up in a more legal way? That's also a very interesting way of putting it, and it's going to become really re- relevant later on. We'll just use that. That's not actually the correct answer, but it's very important to have this defined like this to think about a contradiction which is about to come. Sister said that the time basically only starts for him when he finishes fin- when, he, when he finishes the uh, the sewing. That's actually how the Hanbalis understood it, by the way. But as you're going to see, when the majority of scholars reject this opinion. They are saying no, it's not possible for the time to start then. The, possible, the, 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 the time for the prayer starts with the time for the prayer, not with the condition. Yeah? So the humblies, what are they saying? They're basically saying that this person does not need to pray because they're just about to finish it. And when they finish it, it's going to be qareeb. It's only 5-10 minutes after the prayer time. It's not like yani, it's going to take another 2 hours. Because if it's going to take another 2 hours, the humblies will say no. You have to pray. Like the majority say. And what do the majority say? They say that you pray by just covering as much as you possibly can. And even to the extent, as is well known in the books of fiqh, if a person has to pray naked, then they pray naked. And there is a, we'll cover this later, but there's a very specific way that you sit when you are praying naked. You are covering as much as your body as possible, the, the private parts. And remember that the aura is divided into two. Heavy aura and light aura, meaning the private parts and then the general rest of the body. And so one tries to cover the private parts as much as possible in a seating position and they offer the prayer. So that is what a person would do if they're not able to fulfill this condition very very soon. What's another condition for the prayer? Wudu, yes? So let's say that he needs to make wudu. The water is there. He's at the actual well. But it's a deep one and it's hand thingamajig, yes? So he needs to go all the way down and then, you know, and all the way back up. And he's done this a hundred times and it takes clean ten minutes. Takes a clean ten minutes. He's got five minutes left to pray. What are the humbly saying? What are the humbly saying? If we've understood their points, what are the humbly saying? Uh, he's got still time because time, time doesn't start again because uh, he's got that time for 10 minutes to go down and get that water and then use because the water is present he can't go and do anything like this so the Hanbalis are saying that the water is there so we can't give him the excuse for tayammum because the condition to allow tayammum is the absence of, absence of water the water is there and so we need to get it also what was important here is how long it's going to take how long is it going to take? 10 minutes, which is a lot of time or a little time? A little time because it will mean he will miss the prayer, but he will be like yani, close to the prayer time. 
It's not like it will take him an hour. For example, if we said he knows the water's there, the well's broken, and he just needs to build the well again, yeah, as exactly what Sheikh Uthaymin says, okay, he goes, if we need to tell him to build the well, then I'm afraid we're not going to give him the concession. Okay, the humblies would say no. If it's just this pulling out the water and this five minutes job, then or it's only five minutes, and then we allow that. Yes? There's the question of like why did they make waves in the last part of the last to do this? Like if you know you're close at all and you need to make wudu, why wait five minutes before then? Is that actually a valid excuse? The, 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 there is an assumption here Musab is asking how is it that this guy has always got five minutes left yeah? <laughs> alright and there is an assumption here that this is obviously something which has happened uh, obviously you're right okay but there is an assumption that something has happened yeah okay um, so now uh, so I just want to say that Sheikh Uthameen here he makes um, an interesting point um, he responds he goes the correct position here is that it is not permissible whatsoever to delay the prayer whatsoever from its time. It is not permissible to delay the prayer from its time mutlaqan. And if a person is fearing that the prayer time will run out, then he must pray in his current state. So, in the example of the guy who was um, sewing his clothes, then he has to pray naked. Or cover it as much as possible. In the case of the one who cannot get the water, then it is tayammum because he cannot get the water in time for the actual thing to uh, 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 come out. Yeah, and to get the 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 uh, 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 it's not possible for him to get the actual water out in time. And Shikr Tamim says, "What's the point of the ayah?" Allah Subhanahu wa Taala Baqarah says, "Fa in and if you are um, in danger, if you are in danger, the best translation is, if you are in danger, uh, then pray whilst you are walking or riding. Okay? So you're allowed to pray whilst walking, riding. This is referring to like a war scenario or a very difficult scenario where there is, you know, everything's gone up in smoke. The normal conditions are not there. And so here you're allowed to pray however you are. So if... What's the, what's, the other, what's the point of the ayah then? Yani if you're saying that, oh, well, I'll just delay it anyway. When Allah says, if you're in danger, then just pray. Otherwise, Allah will say, You know, then just delay the prayer until you get a safer time. But he did it, didn't he? He, subhanahu wa ta'ala said, then pray it, even if you are walking or riding. And that, of course, emphasizes again the importance of the prayer. Out of all of the obligations that we have, this salah, it is the most emphasized it has absolutely, yani, the emphasis upon it is yani, mind-boggling, to be honest. Okay? And also, uh, uh, he also says, then he goes, and if it was permissible, if it was permissible to just basically um, wait for conditions of the prayer to be fulfilled, and the prayer of the time to be, to, to you know, to be exceeded or whatever, yeah. Then what was the point of legislating? The time. Tiemmo. What was the what was the, yani, the actual point of legislating Tiemmo? Does that make sense? Because otherwise, then we'd say if a person can't find water now, class take another two three hours and find the water then, isn't it? 
Does that make sense? Yeah? I see some looks here that doesn't make sense. Not all the time, correct. You're right. And sometimes it's not just about the fact that a person can't get the water, it might be for some other issues. That's fine. But let's look at the time where, it, let's look at the most common example that it is actually there for. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the ayah, if you don't find water, okay, فَتَيَمَّمُوا سَعِيدًا طَيِّبًا Okay, that tajid here means you didn't come across water, you were looking for it, you couldn't find it. So then if you don't, then whatever. So what was the point of saying that? Why didn't Allah then say, if you can't find water, then take another few hours and don't worry about the prayer time. But he said, then make tayammum because the prayer needs to be prayed upon its time. And so what Shaykh Huthay means basically wants to emphasize and he wants to make it very, very clear. He goes that... Um, he goes and he goes and one of the he goes one of the one of the uh, uh, attempts by the Hanbali school is a bit critical. He says to try and make this kind of nuance by saying that we will allow it only for something which is close, qarib yani, you know, like the condition is going to be fulfilled after only five minutes. Okay, he goes. Where did this come from? He goes. Where did this come from? He goes, if you're going to delay the prayer, then what's the difference between delaying it by two hours or by, delay, by delaying it five minutes? A prayer time is a prayer time. And once you've gone past it, what are you saying, Yani, to say that five minutes is okay, but 20 minutes isn't? And what you're saying for three hours is okay, but it isn't okay, but 10 minutes is. He goes that this kind of understanding doesn't have a, has, has a, have a legal basis. Yeah, because obviously back in the days, you didn't have clocks and, and watches and things like that. So <coughs> obviously the time... Um, according to different people would be slightly different. So Abdul Basit is saying that maybe it's because obviously back then they didn't have time to be able to be accurate, which is fine, but we're not talking the difference between 5 and 10. I give the example of 3 hours and 5 minutes. That's understandable. It's very clear and it's small time and long time, right? And actually Tim was very interesting about your point. Actually, I didn't mention it because I didn't see much benefit, but Sheikh Uthameen does actually say that well, this chapter in the books of fiqh shows that at the time of the companions and the salaf, they used to use that concept of minutes and hours. Just yeah, an interesting side point. He goes that Ibn Hazm was the first who actually wrote about it. But anyway, um, now, he goes that it doesn't matter if it's a little or not, it is exceeding the time limit and that's not acceptable. He goes, and this is the position of Sheikh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, and it is his position as well, Sheikh Uthameen's position as well. So he goes, هذا, So therefore then a person, if he is going to be naked or, or running out of water, then he prays naked or he makes tayammum in his time. And the only, therefore, in this chapter, the only uh, possible exception for the one who is not going to pray on time is going to be the one who is combining the prayer, intending to combine the prayer. Is that clear, everybody? Now let me throw a spanner in the works. Okay, massive spanner. All right. What about a person who wakes up for fajr, wakes up late, and he is in a state of he's junub, he's in a state of sexual impurity in janaba. Yes. What does he need to do? Make ghusl. Yes. Depending upon you know his whatever at home, blah blah blah. Might take fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, whatever. He's got five minutes to pray. Five minutes to pray. What's your thoughts and what do you know of the scholars and so on? Either or. Because technically he wasn't 
how to go up in South Point, so his budget time was short and also time. So it's a bit unfair. <laughs> We'll come back to Musab. Said anyone else? I think uh, it's, it's not fulfilling the condition because it has to be uh, uh, ritual impurity. He has to be lifted up. So the ritual impurity that he's in, yeah. okay, the hadith, it needs to be removed. removed yeah. Okay. Without that, he can't pray. Without that, he can't pray. And because of the time limit, he's already taken that action and he started proceeding towards lifting the hadith. Um, By doing what? Uh, he is lifting the hadith by doing what? By making effort to do ghusl. Okay, by doing ghusl, okay. Yeah. Whether it takes five minutes or ten minutes. Yes. You're, so you're repeating what Musab said. So my question is, what's the point of tayammum then? In actual fact, what was tayammum originally even revealed in? <laughs> it was revealed about a person who, or a companion, who was in a state of sexual impurity. Who couldn't find the water, right? So, anyone want to say something else? So, the guy woke up, and was it time to put Fajr, or the time was uh, was uh, gone? It's time for Fajr, yes. There's time. Five there is time. There's five minutes for Fajr. Let's just say he can't. <laughs> Theoretically, okay. Let's say he's got two minutes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> We got flipping a seal here, yeah? Okay? Because only a seal can make ghusl in two minutes. So you think you should make the Yeah. Anyone else? Yes. Sheikh Uthaymeen said, as he said previously, uh, uh, sorry, Zain is saying that Sheikh Uthaymeen, as he said previously, should just basically say the same thing and say he should pray as he is. Right? Okay? Should, should you make a, uh, an educated guess, uh, I guess, as... Um, to how long it's going to take? Yeah, to make... To give so a, you're saying that the person should make an educated guess to how long that this is going to take. <laughs> if he thinks he can make the ghusl, he should, and then pray. And if he doesn't think that he can make the ghusl, then he should make tayammum and so on. Yes? Okay, so let me just make it very clear. Anyone who believes that they've got the time to make ghusl and pray, it's haram for him to do anything else. I want to make that very clear. Anyone who believes they have time to do ghusl and then pray or get the... Remember, pray here does not mean the two rakah sunnah, of course. That gets thrown out yani, of the window for the next 20 minutes anyway. You'll pray later, okay? We're talking about the farb. You go straight into the farb. And even that, we want to at least just get one rak'ah done, yes? We're talking legal minimums here. So if a person knows that he can make ghusl and get a rak'ah done of fajr, it is haram for him to do anything else. So let me repeat my question again in a more accurate way. He knows for a fact that if he makes ghusl, he's not going to make fajr, and the sun is going to rise. Okay, so we've got dance of tayammum. All right, anyone else? Okay, good. So we've got the two opinions, okay? Because Musa gave the other opinion, Abdul Nasser followed it. And then we've got this position of Tayammum. This position of Tayammum, by the way, is not, is the minority position. Okay? It is the position of the Maliki school. I'm going to give you a gem, by the way, that you couldn't pay 20 quid for, by the way. This is an awesome gem. I was thinking about it, thinking about it, had doubts, and then I read it and I said, Allahu Akbar. I said, let me call Shazad and tell him, but I called him, he wasn't interested. 
amazing gem. You know, subhanAllah, you know why there's a difference of opinion amongst the scholars in this issue? It goes back to a famous principle. It's called Izdiham al-Shurut. Izdiham al-Shurut is literally translated as a traffic jam of conditions. Okay? What do we mean by this? Is that, you know we have conditions for the prayer. So for example, name some conditions for the prayer. Obviously, we're going to cover this for the next couple of years. But, yani, what you know. Wudu. Cover, covering the aura. In his right time. Facing the tibla. All the rest of it, yeah? Clean clothes, clean area. There's six there just to start you off, okay? Now, if there comes a scenario where they all come at one go and some have to be sacrificed over the other, we've got a traffic jam, we've got a roadblock, yani, we've got a, what's the word when they all come? Bottleneck? Congestion. Actually, congestion and gridlock is the more accurate kind of phrase, okay? We have a congestion and gridlock of shurut, then it's called mas'alat al-izdiham al-shurut. Which one are we going to go for? Okay? So, now, classically, okay, no, so, so you've understood, that, you understood the, the, the principle I'm trying to explain. What is the traffic jam of conditions here? Time and purity. Excellent. Okay? We have time and purity. And so now you're going to understand why scholars differ in their opinion. You only see the consequence. Now we're going to understand why is it that the consequence differed because they differed at the base level principle. They differed at the root. So for example, if we've got a combination, a traffic jam of purity and time, those who favor time are going to say what? They're going to say what? No, 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 I, I, not the evidence. What are they going to do in this issue? They're going to say, make tayammum and pray. Whereas if you follow the opinion, that purity is the more important precondition, then what are you going to do? You're going to make the ghusl and you're going to then pray afterwards. Okay? Because for them, purity is more important. Now, I'll say two things. The gem, the gem, is that the majority of the scholars, they considered purity to be more important than time. Okay? And it's only the Maliki school, Imam Malik himself in fact, who considered time to be more important than purity, which is why the Muwatta of Imam Malik starts with the prayer times and all of the other books of fiqh they start with purity. That's a sick one, brother. Yes, yes, I know you're going to write that down, I'm going to copyright me, Annie. skank me. You damn right put my name down, brother. Astaghfirullah. Okay, so that's awesome to be honest. If you think about it, understand this issue, it's a really uh, nuanced point and it explains so many things. It's that light bulb moment. So, um, now here, therefore, I can say to you that the majority of scholars, even the Hanafi school, and I say even the Hanafi school because they normally don't yani, get involved in this kind of issue and join like three other Im- or two other Imams. So, actually, you have the majority, including Ibn Taymiyyah later, they will say that you will make ghusl and you will pray afterwards even if the sun has risen. And if you want to try to understand the reasoning here, it's very interesting. 
And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I think you might remember when I said to you when we, when we talked about the Qadha, uh, uh, you know the chapter of Qadha making up the prayers, I said there's two types of prayer. It's either what or what. It's either on time and that's called Ada, or it is Qadha, which is done afterwards. Yes? And do you remember we covered that? Everyone happy with that, yeah? If you pray a prayer on time, it is called Ada, meaning I did it upon his right time. Yeah, and when we say Salah, Namaz, Ada Karo. Yeah? Do your prayer properly, on time. And when we say Qada, it means after the time. Right. Then we asked the question, didn't we? We said if a person was to fall asleep and he didn't hear his alarm and he wakes up at 9 o'clock, for example, in the morning, yes? Fajr is gone and he wakes up. What is this prayer according to the majority of scholars? Qada prayer, yes? Its title is called Qada. What did we say Ibn Taymiyyah said? We said it is Ada according to Ibn Taymiyyah. Why did we say Ibn Taymiyyah said Ada? He had no bit more accurate. Mm, yeah, also more accurate. It's possible to be more accurate. It was still within its time because his time started when he woke up. So Correct. Okay, and that goes back to the point that you made earlier. That the actual legal time, and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the hadith, he said when a person wakes up, he should pray, because that is its time. We covered this hadith. If you go back to your notes, you'll see that when a person wakes up, obviously validly, he can't be intentionally, you know, having a sleep in, right? We're talking unintentionally, he wakes up, and then he, 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 when he knows, he thinks, oh my God, Fajr prayer, he has to pray then. The Prophet said, let him pray then, because that is its time. So Ibn Taymiyyah said that if a person has valid excuse, yani he didn't know that he was asleep, and then he wakes up, and then he prays, that is its time. So he now transfers that point to this issue, and he says exactly what Musa'ab said. Okay, I made it, I kept it quiet because he spoiled my thingy, but now, now yani I can, I can uh, reveal his answer. He said right at the very beginning, actually, that the reason why Ibn Taymiyyah said that a person will make the ghusl is because when he wakes up, that is now technically his fajr time. It's almost like, you know what? You do have the legal time now to make ghusl, even if it pushes you out of the actual time of the prayer. And that's why Ibn Taymiyyah held the position. And many scholars then went with him. Many scholars went with him and they said, yes, a person who wakes up late with only a few minutes to go, that is the prayer time, that is the wudu time, that is the ghusl time, and that is an exception to the general rule. In fact, he made it very clear, this is not something which is allowed for a person who wakes up at the beginning of the fajr time. This is only when someone wakes up late, and they, have to re- they are required to do certain conditions, then they will be allowed to do that. So, in answer to, and we adopt this position, this has been my position as well for, uh, this is my personal position. So I just want to answer the question that is directly put to, to, to you. If a person wakes up in a state of janaba and needs to make ghusl, and there's only five minutes left and it will take longer than that, then the person must make the ghusl first and then pray afterwards. Okay? This is the correct position, whereas the Maliki position, the minority one, is that the tayammum can be made. I do want to add a caveat. I told you that Hanafi school also agrees with this. But the Hanafi school has an exception to this, an interesting one. They said the exception to this is for 
the janazah prayer and other certain one-off prayers. What's the reason for that? When I say exception, what do I mean by exception? Huh? Does not apply. Does not apply, meaning what? Time is more important, meaning that they will make tayammum and they will, they will pray it there and then. So if I say to you that the Hanafis made janazah prayer an exception, and they made you do tayammum for it, other, uh, but normally they would allow you to you know, do your ghusl and so on, what would the reasoning be? Correct. Because the janazah prayer is a category of prayer that there's no qada of. You can't make a qada of a janazah prayer. Okay? Even that can be responded to, by the way, because a person could go and make the janazah prayer himself afterwards. Okay? But I, I guess the idea is, is that the person will be buried and the body will not be available in front. Then that's a fair enough point. That's a fair enough point. Yeah? Yes. I said the majority that um, one... Yes, it could be argued. It's not easy to say that. But it could be argued that just about the majority consider that the ghusl should be done if one person is running out of time and they are sexually impure. Okay? And Allah knows best. But as I said, in principle, this does not apply in the other scenarios when you are within your time. When at the beginning, in fact, I, would, I wrote this down from Majmul Fatawa from Ibn Taymiyyah's collection. He says, if a person wakes up, you don't need to write this down, but I mean, because you can write it down if you want. If a person wakes up and there is water available, then according to the view of many scholars, he should do ghusl and pray even if it is after sunrise. As that is the time for the prayer. The time for the prayer for him starts from when he wakes up. Unlike, unlike the person who is originally awake, then his time is from the beginning of Fajr. Okay? Now I just want to add a caveat, and that is, of course, this opinion is predicated upon the point that the water is available. That's the strongest kind of point here. If the water is not available, then of course tayammum has to be established. And that's why Ibn Taymiyyah's position now, therefore, doesn't contradict the hadith or the ayah of Qur'an. Because in the ayah that reveals tayammum, the asbab al-nuzul, the reason behind it, the story, there was no water. And that's why he, did, he had to be, you know, that's why tayammum was the option that was given. Whereas in the fatwa that we're giving, we are saying all the time there's water. And because there's water there, and your time has just started, you have a right to utilize that water in your new starting time from now, then go and pray the Fajr. But if your water was not available, then you must make tayammum immediately and pray immediately. That clear, everybody? That is the position of Ibn Taymiyyah. Let me just finish this off before we take some questions. If you're going to forget it, then make sure you write it down. Um, and just to fi- finish off the last part then, Sheikh Uthameen, he basically said, he goes, there is another mas'ala. The scholars did uh, disagree over whether the prayer can ever be delayed from its time for any other reason. And that reason is basically extreme fear. If there is extreme hardship or extreme difficulty, and it's not possible for insan to pray the prayer, min min al-wujuh, and it's just not possible in any kind of circumstance. Yani basically fighting in a state of war, physically in the act of war, and so on. It is not, he even says, not even by his heart, not even by his limbs. In some kind of way, he's that so busy, Okay, that he can't even, you know, pray in, in, in this kind of scenario. Okay, 
And he said that the correct position and Allah knows best is that um, is that it is permissible to delay the prayer for this reason. Because if he was to pray, if he was to, if we were to obligate upon him that pray in your mind. You don't need to pray with your hands and you know whatever. Pray with your eyes, which is all possible, you know, things that we allow for a prisoner, etc. Pray with the eyes and so on. If we were to obligate upon a person who cannot pray at all, then at the end of the prayer, he can't remember what he did or say or anything. So there was actually no value to the prayer. It was just a theoretical idea that I prayed. If there's a person who says, I cannot pray in my heart, then you know this guy is really in a difficult moment. That's my point. Okay? And so therefore, as Sheikh Uthameen says, then in this kind of scenario, it is permissible uh, because normally he is trying to uh, fend off death. And he said that the evidence for allowing this to occur, to pray afterwards, okay, outside of its time, is what has been narrated from the companions. He said from the companions, we know, for example, in the Fathi Tustar, Fathi Tustar is the conquest of Tustar. Tustar, of course, um, is... Um, uh, as the uh, 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 footnotes here says, من بلاد الأحوز وهي أعظم مدينة بخوزانستان وعربستان. Basically, this is modern-day Iran. Okay, Tustar is a city in modern-day Iran, and it was one of the mega battles. Okay, in Islamic history. And yani, subhanAllah, it was a very, and it is also not only one of the mega battles, it was one of the most difficult battles as well. And there were thousands of casualties from the companions. And it was a fight, subhanAllah, which, yani, we're talking an army that went up five, ten times its size. Okay, and uh, subhanAllah, Anas ibn Malik, as you know, he is one of the companions who was youngest at the time of the Prophet, and the longest after. And he was the last to die, or he was the oldest to die, okay? Um, so he saw many of these battles. And whenever Tustar was mentioned to him, he would cry. Whenever Tustar was mentioned. Because very, very difficult. Many, many deaths. And as the ulama said, that he would cry. Why? Because Anas ibn Malik, radiallahu I never, ever missed a single prayer in his life. Except the Fajr prayer on the conquest of Tustar. On the day that they uh, won that fight, won that war, the, uh, the, the peak of the battle started just before Fajr and it was at its most ferocious throughout Fajr and through the rising of the sun and after one or two hours at the time of Al-Duha was when the, uh, the victory was announced, defeat was accepted on the other side and Fajr was then prayed one or two hours after its time. And that was the only time he missed Fajr. And that's narrated in many of the books of Hadith. And he used to get very upset whenever anyone used to mention that to him. Because it's the only time that he did not pray Fajr on his time. So there's a proof of uh, delaying the uh, prayer. And also, uh, uh, he goes, this is also the reason why Nabi Wasallam himself did not uh, delay the prayer on the uh, day of Al-Khandaq, the Battle of the Trench. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam شَغْلُونَ عَنِ الصَّنَاطِ الْوُسْطَى He goes, may Allah curse them, that's not here. But they, uh, they delayed us from Asr prayer. He didn't pray the Asr prayer on its time, okay, because the battle became so uh, 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 difficult. And so therefore there is an evidence in there. 
And Sheikh Uthameen, he makes a point. He goes, the Ghazwa of Khandaq, the Battle of the Trench, of course, happened in the fifth year of uh, Al-Hijrah. And the Ghazwa to Zat al-Rita' that happened, that al-Rita' happened in the fourth year of uh, Hijrah. And the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he, this is important. We know that the Salat al-Khawf, which is the, the, the prayer that you fight, the, the prayer that you pray during war, which is a very different prayer. The prayer is cut in half. The prayer is prayed, yani standing and in different way and whatever. We'll cover that in detail. Okay. And it's done in a very unique fashion. And it's there for the exact reason because you can't pray properly. And so it's the concession for war. That was prayed by the Prophet ﷺ in that riqah in the fourth year of Hijrah. Yet in the fifth year of Hijrah, the next year, in the Battle of Khandaq, and Nabi said that they pushed us from the Asr prayer. What does that mean? They had the option to pray Salatul Khawf, but they didn't take it because they couldn't take it, which is an implicit proof that therefore it is permissible for a person who physically, mentally, psychologically cannot pray to not then pray the prayer at that time, even if it means a reduced kind of prayer, which is walking or lying or, or hands or whatever. If it's not possible to pray, then it is not possible to pray. Okay? Um, and I guess we can finish then that, is it possible then for any other reason? Is it possible to delay the prayer for any other reason? Uh, for example, work. Okay? Is it permissible? The answer is no. It's not permissible to delay work for some kind of just basic reason like that. But it is possible um, to save someone's life. Yes, it is. Okay, so for example, the prayer time is running out. You hear a scream. Someone is burning in the house. And you know you have the ability to go and do that. Then that's what you would do. Because in this scenario, it is permissible to pray the Fajr prayer or whatever prayer it is after its time. Okay, and in cases of work and so on and so forth, then you utilize the combining of the prayer, the combining of the prayer, and you you know pray either early or later, but to not pray in this time is not acceptable, except in an absolute emergency, life-threatening kind of scenario. And with that, okay, we complete that entire section. Now, it's very important. I'll take some questions now, but I just want to make something very clear. I can tell you what we're going to do next week. We are going to finish off what Sheikh Wadi did not finish last uh, last time. So next next week is going to be completing the idea of the person who leaves the prayer out of laziness is he kafir or not okay the one who is lazy with the prayer is it kufar is he kafir etc etc we're going to finish that off now let me just make something very clear Sheikh Walid spent a whole good session explaining the first part of that and I want if you've forgotten it then you need to go back and review your notes or you need to go back and review the video on the portal because I will not be spending a second going over his arguments because we've already done that, enough of that. I'm going to go straight to the back end and basically get to the conclusion and understand the conclusion. Okay? I'm not going to go over his stuff again. So I advise you, if you've got time, to just quickly review his points. Okay? Review his lesson. And it will make next week's lesson much more valuable. If you don't, then just look at the notes that have been released. Because the notes are on the portal. The notes, oh, they'll be on the portal by tomorrow um, uh, for that lesson. And you can just quickly look, at, look down it. And inshallah, you'll be ready. Is that clear, everybody? Yes? Let's try and do that. So let's take questions then. Um, online and thingy. Let's take a few online first. Yeah. So here's the problem, okay? All right? We're going to start seeing the influx of combining questions and Musafir questions and so on and so forth. And this is not that time. I know that people 
Yeah, and you really want to do that, okay? I, I might just take a quick few, just say yes, no, but I, we've got to resist that yeah, urge to uh, talk about questions which we know are coming up later. Just, uh, just so that everyone's been warned. Answer, ask a question anyway, go on. So a person who's Musafir, uh, who is now looking to join the Jama'ah for us to gain the benefit of joining the Jama'ah, for example. Should not pray. It is not allowed for a, a person who is Musafir, who has already prayed Asr, who then comes back home and goes to the masjid to pray Asr again. This is not allowed because the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did not... Uh, this is an exception to the rule. This is because it's not allowed to pray after the Asr prayer has been prayed. Okay? Once you pray the Asr prayer, then it is not allowed to pray anything until Maghrib. Okay? There's hadith to establish that. We'll cover that in its right time. However, if a person had prayed Maghrib and Isha, okay, combined at home or wherever, you know, somewhere, whatever, and then he comes back home and he goes to the masjid at Isha time and he prays the Isha with the masjid Jama'ah for extra ajr, this is something which is permissible. But the Asr, no, because he's already prayed Asr and after you've prayed Asr, there's no more prayers. No sunnah, no thing. The only exception is if there's an obligatory prayer, which is a one-off, such as a some scholars said to masjid. Most of them said something like a janazah or something like that. But we'll come to that in the right time. What are the conditions for joining prayers? How do I know whether my reason? You're for dreaming. <laughs> okay. Next. Sadi, <laughs> you had mentioned the ayah that Allah has told to pray in the state you are in. So according to the sunnah. Of Allah isn't it directing to time being important? How do the scholars take different perceptions there? Please explain. So basically, the person wants uh, the, the the questioner wants a slightly more deeper explanation of the point that if Allah says that you have to pray upon yani your state, then that's more important. For example, what in khiftum? If you fear, okay, danger, then whilst you know either walking or riding okay um and so first of all this ayah is not to be in his linguistic sense not applied here because it's not an issue about danger this is a, a, a different yeah and to uh, the question of time time is important in its own right okay there's no doubt about that but when a person cannot pray without a certain condition being fulfilled okay and they have the legal right to take the time to fulfill that condition, then it needs to be done. And that's why I want you to, I want you to understand that this whole junub, impurity issue, waking up for fajr, is like an exception to the general rule. If you understand it like that, it makes more sense. It's easier to understand it. Because I agree that if you think about it too much, it doesn't make sense. But it is an exception to the general rule where every other single kind of incident is done there and then. Okay, this junab one is slightly nuanced because person is woken up for legal reason, didn't do it intentionally. Person does have water and he can't yeah, he make avail of tayammum and so on and so forth. It's not a situation of fear or problem or something like that. So I know that that's not going to be sufficient, but that's just going to have to do for now. Basa. So, in other, um, so what's the evidence then for, for this position? Did we give the evidence for that position? That when you wake up and you have five minutes left, you need to... You need to the evidence is textual and the evidence is usuli. The text is that tayammum is only allowed in the absence of water. That's the legal basis. No, no, okay. no as, as to go above the time. As Correct. Above the time. So as I said, 
The evidence is that tayammum, which is the alternative act to do, is only something which is permissible in the absence of water. Whereas this person has an abundance of water. Okay? So that's the, that's the legal argument. The usuli difference is that this person's actual time for the prayer and time for the prayer is not just actual time to pray, but the things that are required to pray. So for example, putting on the right clothes, getting them clean, and so on and so forth. They only actually started in, for the right of this person when they woke up. And if there's only a few minutes, then it's basically an understanding, again, it's an usul, it's not a legal argument, that this person's time is, starts now to ensure those things are done. So there's not danger to follow this kind of opinion? I mean, certainly we don't promote this opinion. None of these kind of answers or scenarios should ever be yani, seen that I'm promoting and you should start delaying your alarm times and whatever, whatever. Because that's, yani, of course, yani, the exact opposite. We're talking about someone who is very irresponsible, didn't yani, go sleep on time, didn't you know, make the right precautions, etc., etc., etc. So we're talking about a fatwa scenario. No, but what I'm saying is, um, if, if um, you want to make your, your own... As in opinion, if you only choose between those two opinions, between Malik and uh, Ibn Taymiyyah. No, no, you know that this class is not predicated upon people choosing their own opinion. Okay? Yani, it's not permissible for people just to choose their own opinion. If you have your own opinion from a teacher, who you trust, then you should follow. As we've said before in this class, okay? And again, the first and second uh, lessons in year one, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Where I establish the rules for this class and the rules for fiqh and taqlid and madahib and so on is that um, the basic principle is that we don't know and when you don't know you have to ask someone who does and when you ask that person you are obliged to follow them unless you know different and it doesn't matter whether that person is an individual in your community or whether they're an imam of the four madhabs or whatever and the only time that a person is able to make tarjih which is to say one opinion over another, whatever, is if they have the ability to be able to do that. Because as you said, then they'll enter the danger of choosing the easier position, rather do ghusl, blah, 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 blah. Now, so that, that's obviously all obvious. That doesn't need to be asked and doesn't need to be explained. However, I just want to say one thing. I don't think it's dangerous in this issue, because who's to say what is easier? Who's to say what's easier? Are you trying to argue that the make the ghusl is easier? I'm not, I'm not no, no, I'm just saying as, as an example. If it was dangerous... What would be easier? Which of these two positions to follow would be easier, in your opinion? Easier. Yeah. Because dangerous implies that a person would go for the easier position, yeah? No, in this case, yes, but not necessarily. No, in the principle, yeah. yeah. So in this case, for example, what is more easier? To pray in your state. Uh, in tiyamum? Yeah. Make tiyamum, you mean? Yeah. That's easier. Who agrees with that? Okay. Who thinks the other way is easier? It's obvious that the other way is easier. It's obvious that the other way is easier. There's an extra action in the first one. There's an extra rush in the first one. There's an extra stress in the first one. The reason I make that point is that the concept of ease and danger is subjective to the people who actually think. So that's why I'm saying that the argument doesn't hold. Yani, the danger really is to, is to ignorant people who don't understand the deen at all. And for those people, we can't, you know, we can't stop teaching the religion because of what we fear from them. We can only tell them, fear Allah and understand and follow your scholars, follow your teachers, do a system. Okay? But yani, you know, if you let them down to... Just, just like I give the example, we can disprove 
we can prove why they shouldn't be making their own decisions, but they don't even know what's even better for them, or what's easier for them, or what they're even doing, and so on and so forth. Shazad's having kittens here, by the way. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this off. We've got questions to answer. Right. Go on. Depend, you know, you said like in Sheikh Hussar, he said that you know, when a person wakes up, does his time for doing the and then he carries on with that and then does his salah. What if the coincidence is that he wakes up and his time after Ghusl is the time of sun rising? Yeah, so, Ibn, so the question is is that if you follow the position of the Ibn Taymiyyah and many and Uthaymin and the, uh, actually the majority of contemporary scholars and so on, and he does make ghusl, and then he finishes, and the sun is actual, actually rising, then according to those same scholars, you wait until after the sun has risen, because it's not permissible to pray during sunrise. Was there a question here? No? What's up? Um, same thing as asked last week. Say, for example, um, a person, it's like two different scenarios. Say, in summer, you wait, you're waiting for Fajr, the Jama'ah. By the time you start, you're waiting to go pray in the masjid, or you fall asleep before you get to that. Like, at the masjid or at home waiting? At home waiting, take 10, 15 minutes left, and then next thing you know, you wake up, salah So a person, he's waiting, for, he's woken up for fajr, and he's made wudu, and he's waiting at home to pray the jama'ah in the masjid, and he falls asleep at home whilst waiting for that jama'ah. He then wakes up afterwards, and the fajr is gone. So is that person sinful, or is there a prayer technically still like that? I don't know whether the prayer is Ada or Qada or whatever. Is he sinful? No, if he took normal precautions to not go to sleep. A normal person and whatever, then he's not sinful. Okay? Online? Anyone here? Any other questions locally? Yes. You mentioned about the Hadith of Rasulullah Khandaq, I think, when he cursed Khandaq, yes. And the, then you referred before to Sheikh Usameen that you know you can pray from your heart. Yeah. So one in Rasulullah at that time pray from his because, heart. Because, and that's what Sheikh Usameen, he makes that point. The Prophet obviously uh, felt that he can't. That the hudur of the prayer, the presence required for the prayer, the focus, the tumatnina, the relaxation was not possible. Prayer is more than just physical actions. So a lot of people think that, you know, why can't you just think about it? Because there's more to the prayer than just yeah, any thinking about it. That's the obvious uh, answer, yes. How does the purity before the time opinion with the pleasure prayer when there is a restriction on the time to pray, i.e. when the sun is rising? Hmm? You just answered that question. Did I? I think, I don't know. Should there was a question over there. Was it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what about the light... Um, about delaying the sunnah of the salah as as in you pray the third salah on time but plan to do the sunnah later that's what you must do if the prayer is late if you're late for the prayer and you've only got a few minutes left and you know you can only do two rak'ah in time then it's not permissible to pray the two rak'ah sunnah you have to pray the two rak'ah fard and then you will make the two rak'ah sunnah up after sunrise okay if you know that you've woken up late and you've only got time for the two fard is that clear okay We'll call it, okay, because the flow of questions is not very anything and everyone is dying. So, khair, inshallah, next week we'll get those ready, inshallah, bi-idhni Allah. Jazakumullah khair, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha 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 ilaha